Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, for now, we got Chris Harrington on the Service Master by Cornerstone phone line. He joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? Uh, Time is Tight by Booker T and the MGs. Some deep Memphis music. So, um, what was your experience of last night? Where were y'all and... How did you process it? Um, I was sitting at the kitchen table working on a column I thought I was going to finish today about a topic that's not that pressing, so I'm just going to punt it till next week. Um, and at one point, I don't know how I first – it must have been our Slack channel because I wasn't, like, staring at social media or anything. Right. Um, I, I, I guess it was uh, probably the um, – at one point, I looked down at my phone and I saw a bunch of stuff from the from the Daily Mythian Slack channel. I, you know, tapped it to see what what what, what it was or whether I something that related to me or not. And that's sort of how I found out what was going on. And at that point, I sort of followed along partly through our Slack channel and partly through Twitter. Um, my daughter was at work, and so I, you know, I called her to figure out what was going on with her and make sure she knew, you know, she got off early not to leave. But at that point her work was well aware of what was going on, and they sort of, like so many other places all around town, sort of went in lockdown mode for a little while. Um, and I, at that point, I followed it mostly on Twitter and on the Daily Mythian Slack channel. Um, what do your kids, by the way, make of this? I, I was, I was, uh, I got an email from someone who said their 15-year-old, you know, saw a video of the man getting shot at AutoZone, and she didn't know, like, how to process that. Like, she doesn't, as a mother, how to process it for her kid. Like, what, my what do you... My son, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't think my son knew what, knew anything about it till this morning when my wife talked to him about it. Because um, they, you know, they watch TV, they went to bed, I mean, he wasn't, right. you know, you don't, he's not, you know, we're right. not watching network TV where there's a news break or whatever, right. so... Um, my daughter, I mean, my, I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at how mature and composed my daughter is. She did not seem, she was pretty matter-of-fact about it. Pretty, um, I don't know, maybe she partly gets that from me. I, 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 have a, I tend towards stoicism a little bit, I think. I think she has a similar um, demeanor in some ways. And so she, she, she dealt with it, dealt with what she needed to do to deal with it and didn't seem, you know, seemed to, seemed to be handling it fine, really. Did you uh, see or hear what the mayor and the DA and the police chief said last night, or are you familiar with what they said last night? Um, I read our story that I heard, the the, the clips you played earlier on the show. Um, You know, I mean, I think when you get into policy stuff, 
uh, and it's worth getting into. It's also wrapped up and inter- intertwined and intertangled. I mean, if he's not solved it in a speech, we're not going to solve it on the radio. But I, I think it's clear you have to come at things from both directions, both directions being, you know, the, the the policing criminal criminal justice angle and the build better places to build better people angle and it's not we're not in a pick and choose your favorite solution situation we're in an right. all hands on deck solution solution situation um yeah I, I i think that's absolutely right and then from the criminal justice angle um i i mean there there is a there is a reflexive and natural um you know, you immediately look at this guy's record and you see that he was charged with attempted murder, pled down to uh, aggravated assault, got three years, and served 11 months. Now, I don't know what happened in each of those steps, and it's, you know, you, you, it, it feels like, well, my God, what, what was he doing out? Um, I, well, I mean, the, these issues are very complicated, and, and I know. I mean, I, I interviewed a I interviewed Emily, Emily Bazelon a few years ago who wrote that book. Maybe not be the most popular person in, in town that, for that reason, yeah. but she sort of made the point that one of the practices that DAs make around the country is they overcharge in order to get people to plead guilty to lower um, lower charge practice that's gotten a lot of innocent people in jail, frankly. Now, this guy probably was not an innocent person, but just the idea of, you know, they got got pled down. A lot of times things get pled down because they're overcharged to begin with, and so I think we got to be careful with broad brushes on that kind of stuff. I think we probably need to charge people for the crimes they commit and then them crimes and not play games on either end of that, seems to me. Um, we may, you're breaking up a little bit, so we may, if it happens again, we'll, 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 we'll call you back. Um, yeah, and we have no idea what happened. We don't know the nature of that crime. And I suspect that, like, we already, this is just true, as a country, of all the people in the world who are incarcerated, we have, five, well, 20% of them are, are, are in our country, and we've got 5% of the world's population. Like, we jail more than anybody else jails. And... Jailing doesn't actually seem to make us the safest society in the world. That is not putting the bad guys in jail. We do it more than anybody else in the world. It doesn't seem to work as a solution. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't moments where, you know, bad guys should be in jail longer. But here's the thing. Let's say he had served his three years. Do we think he would have come out as a uh, a good citizen? Like at, at three no, years? No, I mean, you know? To me, that that's in the matrix of issues. That's one of the issues we probably don't talk about enough. Is what are we accomplishing when people are, are imprisoned? Um, and there's, you know, this is a sports show, but like Bill James, the guy who's known as like the baseball guy, he wrote a book um, called Popular Crime about sort of crime history of crime in America as, as things people are interested. In. And there's a whole thing in that where he just goes on a tangent about, about prison reform and his theories on prison reform and, and, and the radical way we should redo it. And maybe he's right, maybe he's a crackpot. But I think the idea of like radically rethinking what we're accomplishing, not, not to say that people who commit violent crime shouldn't serve long, long, long terms, but what are, what are we doing with them while they're in there? Are we doing anything at all? that they would they would commit more crimes when they get out. It doesn't seem to me we're doing a very good job with that. Right. How are we identifying those who, when they come out? Because most people who go to jail are going to come out of jail. And, right. and so 
how do we identify those who should stay longer? Like if we could, if there was a, a DNA test that we could give even someone who had just, you know, done up something minor and the DNA test would reveal that this person is going to be a mass murderer, I would keep them in jail forever. But there is no DNA test that that lets us know which bad guys are going to kind of come out of jail as, you know, worse guys and which are going to come out and, and live lives. And so does that mean you lock up everybody in jail forever? We don't lock up everybody who goes into jail forever. And even these two, I mean, we saw that. We practically, the Eliza Fletcher's murderer, we locked up for 20 years. I guess he could have come out after 25 and then become, you know, been the murderer he was. And then he would have murdered someone else as opposed to Eliza. But um, it's that that is not a whole solution. And it's what the mayor is sort of, it's, it's all he talked about last night. And I think that's in part because he's a law and order mayor who's been mayor for two terms and there's hasn't made a lot of progress. I don't know that he should have. I don't know what there was progress to make, but I understand well, I, why that's his emphasis. Look, Go ahead. I think the two most common denominators, and I, you know, I'm just speaking off the top of the head. I'm not a crim, I'm not a criminologist, right. but I, I feel like I'm on firm ground with this. The two com, the two most common things about violent crime in America are guns and troubled young men. And that is true of the big, scary, splashy crimes that mostly happen elsewhere. That's true of the mundane, everyday crimes that happen in Memphis. It's true of the state of unusual crimes that has recently happened in Memphis, troubled young men and guns. Young men can be troubled in different ways for different reasons, but that, it's those two things. And in Memphis, it's, it's, there's a particular commonality among a lot of the troubled young men in terms of the communities they're coming out of and what's happened with those communities. And so, to me, those are the two things, and trying to solve those two things, our gun problem and our troubled young men problem. And I don't have easy answers to both, but it seems to me those are the two root things. The problem is, that seems so hard. <laughs> like, yes. Like, like, the gun one seems politically... Well, A... The gun one seems politically impossible, and also, by the way, we're already so awash in guns right. that it's like, what, what are we talking here? And the troubled young men problem is, okay, sign up to be a Grizz mentor. You'll get one kid. Like, it just seems, or or there are great programs, whether it's youth villages or a boys and girls club or, like, that's, you can chip away. It seems so hard and so big and doesn't make me feel safer tomorrow that it's just easier to move or or feel or bemoan the state of Memphis. I mean, you, you hate it when I say stuff like this, but you wouldn't feel safer tomorrow just get off Facebook. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that's I, true. I mean, yeah. The, the, the reality is, as horrible as what happened last night was, most people did not directly experience it. Right. You experienced it as an on, on TV or on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. And I think, I mean, if I'm totally honest, listening to the show this week, mm -hmm. I think you and Gary are more fear fearful in your daily Memphis lives than I am. I'm pretty sure the crime rate in my zip code is a lot higher than yours or Gary's. I think the difference is I'm not on Facebook. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I'm not fearful of my daily life at all. Um, not in the slightest. And Gary, Gary moved to Mississippi. He's not fearful in his daily life. Uh, Gary was more. Well, on he the, was talking about like you know you can't be out on the violent streets of Memphis. Uh, Gary was much like more. Literal. Gary was much more yeah. down on Memphis than I. I, I. He he was. He was like he was like uh, Gary's theme at that when he talked about it was. I mean, he's talking about lots of things, and he says lots of things that are. You know, he's not. He's not. Doesn't just say one thing. Um, but but the emphasis it seemed to me was we like to 
talk about, you know, how great 901 is, but it's not great. It's a violent city. And my point is every city has, I think, consistently been every city in this country with a lot of poverty has a lot of violence. And so whether it's St. Louis or Washington, D.C. or Atlanta or Memphis, this is a problem we cope with. And and I, I still believe that. But do I feel fear? I don't. I, the truth of the matter is, I don't lock my doors. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't have a gun. Right. I don't lock my doors. I don't like. I, I, I like my. Uh, now I do. I actually did the last two days lock my back door. <laughs> so I've, I've taken steps, but I don't actually. And I've, and 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 I've lived here for twenty six years. And the worst things that ever happened to me in terms of crime are being held up at gunpoint in Washington D.C. and my car stolen in Miami. You know, so I, I don't really live in fear, but. You can't ask people to turn off the TV, turn off Twitter, turn off Facebook, and live in a closet, Chris, right? I, I don't. I don't. I, I was fully aware of everything that was happening last night without. I, 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 you could be aware of things in the world without, like, making your. Stirring yourself up and stirring others up in that sort of an echo chamber of of, right. of stuff. I, I don't. I reject it. It, it, it. I reject the totality of that. Yeah, I think when the police are telling you to take to not go out and take, it's probably good to be plugged in to what is happening. So I, I, there's a difference between, I guess, immersing yourself in it and wallowing in it and treating it as fear porn and a difference of being on turning on the TV so you want to know if he's coming into your area and what is happening in your city. I don't, I don't blame people who, wanted to, who watched last any more than if there's a tornado. It's probably not going to hit my part of the town either, but I'll watch the weather cast to see where it's going to hit. That was a tornado last night. Right. Um, yes. Um, all right. So, Chris, here's the other issue then, because you point to this, is that there is, in addition to the actual problem, which is a crime problem, there is a perception problem, both internally and externally, about the state of Memphis that I think will be an economic challenge. I've talked to people already about you know, recruiting people here and people leaving and all of that. Um, do you have thoughts on that? Do you think that is real? That issue, that challenge is real, and do you have thoughts on it? I think it can be hard sometimes to separate the personal experience and the anecdotal experience from like the broader context of things. Uh-huh. Um, the reality is that violent crime spiked across the country during the pandemic, and Memphis was one of many, many, many cities across the country that set homicide record homicide records in 2021. Now, Memphis set a higher record than a lot of those cities, smaller one than some others. Um, the, when, the, when the rising tide lifts all boats, it's, like it's kind of hard when your boat's already at the crest of the wave a little bit. Um, but it's not the idea that you're moving away from trouble. Trouble is everywhere. Tr- trouble takes on somewhat different forms in different places. But the most uncomfortable I felt personally all year was has been walking the streets of Memphis, and I walk a lot. It was walking the streets of San Francisco and walking the streets of Portland. Um, and, you know, I, I just think, I, I think Memphis is a place. It's, it's a place that's troubled. It's a place that has wonder in it. It's not a special place. We like to, and I'm, I, I may write something today, I may not, we'll see. But sort of my general thesis is we, we have, we've had this period of the last decade of art at Memphis boosters and art at Memphis, art, art at Memphis detractors, both in Memphis and they and they they have a lot of commonality in that they both present Memphis as a much more special place than it actually is. Memphis is an American place with American problems, and in some ways they're worse, and in some ways they're not. And you're not running away from problems if you go somewhere else. 
it would just be different problems. I agree with all of that. I guess my the 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 issue that I that I think Memphis has to confront or that we have to acknowledge as a reality is it is not special. And indeed, when Gary talked about the streets of Memphis being dangerous, I immediately said, well, are the streets of St. Louis dangerous? Like, it's also in the top ten. But there is a perception both inside of Memphis, it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, you obviously don't have it, inside of Memphis and beyond Memphis, that is Memphis is especially violent. And I think that's a, if it, you know, a branding problem for Memphis, if nothing else. It is. I, 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 I try to, and this is like, you know, when, when I write or talk about something as mundane as basketball or something as serious as this, I, I try to blend the eye test with the numbers, right? I try to blend the anecdotal with the broader, with the, the personal, with the whatever. Memphis does have a, one of, among the bigger crime problems in the country. There are others that are bigger. St. Louis, like you said, the numbers are worse. Um, I think for most people in Memphis, you, it still is something you experience if you're lucky, and for most people who are at this point so lucky, you experience more at a remove than personally. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I try to have a little bit of text about, about, about what my life is really like and, and not have that be colored by, you know, what's in the news, what's, on the, what's leading the news, what's being said on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, I hope you write something about it. I might as well. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks. It's Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.